Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. This WBEZ podcast is supported by Hacia, whose Executive Fellows Program provides Black and Latinx business owners with real-world tools and strategies needed to master fundamental management concepts related to company stability and growth. Registrants learn through one-on-one executive coaching sessions with subject matter experts in the areas of finance, business development, operations, and legal. More info at HACIAWorks.org. Greta, as co-hosts of about four years now, mm-hmm. we've done a lot of things together. We have. We even lived together for a year. But we have never done yoga together. No, I like yoga quite a bit, but you, it's fair to say, are a little more skeptical. Yes, very yoga skeptical, (laughs) but you've convinced me to try. And so we decided I should put a microphone on for my very first attempt at doing yoga. This is what it sounded like. I have to put my head on the floor? Mm -hmm. Okay. I don't feel like a child doing this. I think I'm doing it backwards. Like this. Ow. This does not feel good. <laughs> Wait, where so are you trying to put? Me, yeah, just let me push. Ow. So it's kind of like that. Ow. This is a lot of touching. Ah. Since yeah. when do dogs do this? Okay, so this, all right. Are you going to tell everyone that my socks don't match? Am I supposed to remember all this choreography? But this is why I almost got a B. The one time I almost got a B in school ever was because I couldn't do the gymnastics part of gym class. This is worse than a tripod. This is like a head a headstand. That's very impressive, Greta. You're going to do it, Trisha. I'm absolutely not going to be able to do that. put my head Greta ow oh god there you go stretch <laughs> out your legs stretch out your legs oh my god there you go oh dear god you got it I'm upside down so this hurts my head why would anyone want to do this this hurts my head very much I would like to come down now Trisha I think you were a real good sport Yeah, being upside down was pretty scary, but we got through it. It's worth noting that a professional yoga teacher probably wouldn't have forced you to go upside down in your first class. A real yoga teacher like Jessamine Stanley. Yes, Jessamine Stanley, who also happens to be our guest today. She wrote a book called Everybody Yoga, and we're super happy to have her. Oh, also just a quick disclaimer. might be surprising to you that this conversation about yoga you're about to listen to has some swearing in it. So if you have sensitive ears in the car with you or wherever you're listening, you might want to wait until you're on your own. 
From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette. I'm Trisha Bobita. And I'm Greta Johnson. Today we are talking with Jessamine Stanley, a yoga enthusiast, expert, and internationally recognized teacher who breaks all stereotypes of a yogi. As she writes in the intro of her new book, Everybody Yoga, all yoga bodies deserve to be represented in print, not just those that are slender, female, and white. I wrote this book for every fat person, every old person, and every exceptionally short person. I wrote it for every person who's self-conscious about their body. Jessamine's book guides you through yoga, not just as an exercise, but as a way of life for everybody and everybody. Whether it's through YouTube videos, her Instagram channel, teaching classes in North Carolina, Jessamine shares her yoga philosophy wherever and however she can. I have to say I am excited about today because although Greta loves yoga and I think has been doing it like since before she was born, uh-huh. I am a yoga skeptic. And I a think little bit. not after this interview, Trisha, I'm pretty sure Jessamine is going to change your yoga notions. I am open to it. Let's Jessamine begin. Stanley, welcome to Can I just say that really that feeling of thinking that I don't know about this, I completely felt that in the beginning. So I actually feel like... We have some good turf to work on. Perfect, because we want to start from the beginning. Can you tell us about your first yoga class? What was that like? (laughs) How did you feel going into it? What happened? Oh, man. So my aunt was really into Bikram yoga when I was in high school. And Bikram is kind of like a culty thing. So people, and I say that in the most positive light. (laughs) I have no issue with that. But it's definitely like a they drank the Kool-Aid situation. And so she was like, oh, my God, try Bikram yoga. You're going to love it. And I'm like, I'm 16. I'm fat. I got nothing better to do. So why not go to this (laughs) yoga class? I went and I hated it. Everything about it was awful. So this particular style of yoga is done in a room that's 104 degrees. Yeah, no. And what? it's like, yeah, it's 104 degrees. No. It's 26 poses done twice over 90 minutes. It is intense. Like it will get to people who have been doing it for decades. And when I went in, immediately you're sweating. And it's really a lot like walking into a hot, damp washcloth and just having that trapped across your face. Oh and so God. initially I was like, I'm dying. Like, this is not okay. And I'm sweating from my eyebrows, sweating from my elbow creases, like sweating in ways that I didn't even know humans could sweat. And then, so first we do the breathing. And the breathing at the beginning of a Bikram yoga class is really intense. And, you know, breathing my whole life, like you don't think it's going to be hard, but I thought I was going to die just from that part. And then we got into the poses. And I think I'm being way too generous to say I made it a third of the way into the class before I was like, I'm done with this. I'm like, I'm, I'm good. And so I walk out of the room. And they always tell you not to leave the room. And I was like, I don't care. I'm dying. And so I walk out, immediately feel great, coated in AC. And then I walk back in the room and I learned why you're not supposed to do that because you will become nauseous because of the temperature change. And so I got really, really sick. And then I left again and I was like, fuck that. It's not for me. I'm not doing this. (laughs) And it was seven years before I tried it again. And even when I did, I was super skeptical. I was like, this is not for me. I mean, I can just... I can keep rolling the story because this is a whole, it was a saga, y'all. Like, I was in graduate school. I was really depressed. I struggled with depression my whole life and struggled with anxiety. And so it was like just another downward spiral. And um, it was just a very sad time. And one of my classmates, she drank the Beacon Kool-Aid. She was like, oh, my God, you love it. It's going to change your life. And I was like, I'm not doing that. I've tried it before. It's not for me. And I have that personality where it's like, I know what I like. And so I knew I didn't like that. They had a Groupon pass, so it was one of those things where it's like, 
if it's $30 and you only go once, then you lost $30. Not the big of a deal. It's almost cheaper to just go and have your friend leave you alone. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and I remember going and like I was the only black person, the only fat person. I was definitely trying to hide myself in the furthest corner of the room. And everything about it was exactly the same as it was when I was 16. It was still hard as fuck, hot as fuck. It was so dreadful. And then I got to a place of thinking, yeah, but you could just try. And that idea of just trying, I was not doing that in my day-to-day life. And it was wild to start doing it with these postures that really did seem like human beings could not. It was bizarre to me that everyone was just bending their bodies so easily. And it gave me so much perspective because if I could try in this context with something that I was so unfamiliar with and that over time, my body, it did become easier. It wasn't like the next day I'm just falling into the shapes, but it did become easier. And as time went on, I just thought, where else in my life am I not doing this? And to me, that has always been the magic of the practice is pushing me so far out of my comfort zone to a place where I'm pissed. Like I'm mad. (laughs) I'm mad at myself. I'm mad at the practice. I'm just like just so lit up. And then pushing beyond that, it's insane. It's addictive. I just, I mean, can I just say like, I was not good at the sit and reach on the presidential fitness test situation. Neither was I. Like, I'm not a flexible person. I would try to break my ankle before field day. Like, I was always that kid who's like, I'm so sick on this one day of the year. And, like, I specifically remember running in the presidential fitness. Is that what it's called? Like, the presidential fitness test? The nightmare of all nightmares is what (laughs) it should be called. And I would be like... I can't do this at all. And that kind of mentality has stayed with me my whole life where it's like, I'm not athletic. I'm not. And there are a lot of people who feel this way. And I think that if you can get to a place where it's not about the athleticism, then it's amazing. But it's really hard to do that in this like fake yoga world that is like, let's talk about that. Yeah. It's like, I totally get how you would feel. Like it's sketchy. So you mentioned the fake yoga world and we definitely like want to dive into that with you. But before we get there, I want to talk a little bit more about your book because I think it's Mm. magical and really important Mm. in a lot of different ways. But I thought we could start with just you telling us a little bit about like who you envision this book being for. Yeah, absolutely. I think that within the yoga world, there are very few depictions of anyone other than a cisgender, heterosexual, white, slender woman. And she always has a certain amount of money. She has the time to practice in yoga studios. She has the time to go on yoga retreats, to drink coconut water and to like talk about kombucha in detail. And anyone who doesn't do those things, it's like it's not for you. And I feel like all of that is just a product of marketing. I mean, it's really smart in a lot of ways to market to people who, you know, have the extra money to spend on this. But that's not yoga. And when I see that, I'm just kind of like, I like Mediterranean retreats too, but like that's not (laughs) anything to do with this practice that is really all about looking within yourself. And to me, it was important to show more body types to show just how easy it is to start implementing this practice in your life, that you don't have to go to a studio every week, that all of these misconceptions that we have about it are largely wrong. And then on top of that, when you think about the yoga teacher, you always see this, like I've described it as it's like an angel and a unicorn had a baby and then wore stretch (laughs) pants. And they're just like, oh my gosh, namaste. I'm so perfect. And maybe if you practice 100 sun sows, then you too will 
will feel perfect just like me. And that's not really how it is. Like, I've never met a yoga teacher or a yoga practitioner who is obsessed with it, who didn't get that way because they have anxiety or depression or some injury or something happened to you to make you need this medicine. And in order to really talk about how I started practicing yoga, it was really important to me to tell the story of why I started practicing, because that story is not told at all all in our society. And I feel like, especially as the modern yoga world moves forward, it's really important for us to chronicle the stories of people who you wouldn't typically expect to see. And that means like a millennial who listens to hip hop, who uses profanity, who has had an alcohol problem. And being really frank about that was very important to me. So I have to tell you, the first way that I found out about you was through like this video that popped up on my Facebook feed. Fucking Facebook. And it was right. But it was this amazing video where you do this whole thing. There have been enough people that have said, like, finally, somebody who just lets it out. I cannot tell you how many people are like, I'm afraid to fart in class. Or like, is it going to be okay if I fart? And I'm like, who doesn't want to fart when their legs are spread apart? I don't understand that. Drop down to your knees if you need to. Fart just like I did if you need to. If I do something off the mat, it would be inauthentic for me to stop doing it when I get on the mat. Yoga. Even as like a somewhat slender, like white cisgender, all of those things mm-hmm. lady who does yoga, it was just like, that's yoga. That's it right there. Exactly. And that's a really funny thing. I think that when people see me and then they think of what my classes are going to be, I get this all the time. People are like, your classes must be so diverse. Like you must have lots of people. And they're saying like lots of fat body people because <laughs> you're fat. So you must and lots of black people because you're black. And granted, there are plenty of people. I mean, my classes are extremely diverse, but they are still weighted heavily in the direction of white cisgender heterosexual women and slender white cisgender heads. And I feel like the reason for that is that even the people who can see themselves in the media still have just as many body issues as anyone else. Well, and still feel like outsiders because, of course, they're still not as skinny as whoever's on the catalog. Exactly. And there's this obsession with perfection where you can't even get to a space of accepting that, yeah, you fart. All human beings fart. If you don't, (laughs) it's literally a problem. Like Your body is not working properly. I've seen so many people come to me Okay, so when I was teaching in London, very front row, there's this guy who, like, you know, looks like a attractive cisgender heterosexual white guy. Like, I mean, I, I never really pay attention to, to white guys, to be completely frank. <laughs> but I, I mean, he looked like someone that you would see in a magazine or an ad. He could be and on he, the, the box of the thing at the store. Exactly. That's the yoga matter. The whatever. yoga thing. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, during class, it's all good. We're all chaturanga all day. Everything's awesome. And then at the end of class, he goes up to me and he's like, that was so amazing. I feel so good about myself. I've really been struggling lately. And I was like, you're having body issues? Like, what the... I mean, like, this is... It's amazing to me that we see certain people as not having this damage that is clearly happening to each and every one of us. And to have a space where you can just feel chill with yourself is really important to me. So I think you've already mentioned a couple of them, but I wonder if there are more things that you've learned by doing yoga that you can bring into your real life. I think the main thing that has been really helpful for me is really what's at the core of yoga. And it's something that gets totally overlooked because everyone is obsessed with these postures. It's always like, I want to be able to do a hand scorpion handstand and I don't care what it takes to get there. I just want that. Okay, but and the hang whole, on. What does that even mean? Okay, cool. That so that sounds so crazy. It is a little crazy, but in an awesome way. It's a it's a back bending handstand. That's, yeah. that's okay. the most basic way to describe it. <laughs> but so it's a pretty big pose, you know, and people will become obsessed with these 
shapes and it's just like that's all that matters but the whole reason that you would even work on a scorpion handstand or work on any asana is to be in this moment not in the future, not in the past. And I am the type to obsess over things. Like, I, I'm the type of person who can't let things go. Trisha and, and I um, are both nodding really yeah, intensely right. at you. <laughs> it's like, it's really common because we live in a society that really encourages that kind of behavior where you, you stay in the past or you're in the future. You're never in this moment. And this moment is pretty fucking perfect when you think about it. Like, because it's, everything is exactly as it needs to be. And that concept is so simple, but it's so difficult to grasp. And for me, every moment of this life is just trying to grasp that concept so that the time spent on a yoga mat is I'm not going to say it's inconsequential. Obviously, it's very important. But the most important thing is applying these ideas to when you're not on the mat, because you can't spend your whole life practicing asana and you shouldn't spend your whole life that way. But you should spend your whole life in this moment because this could be the last moment. And what good does it do to be worried about something in the future? But I think that that's the thing that has helped me the most with my anxiety and particularly when it comes to just like waking up on days when you don't feel like getting out of bed or when you are just so and this is I mean it's unfortunately really really common to feel this way and I think that if you can just focus on breathing and just trying to stay here that's where the yoga is really working after the break Jessamine has this really amazing metaphor about an instrument that lives inside of her and inside all of us so it's like I found this instrument inside myself and it's covered in goop and crap and I'm just like digging it out and I've spent years just like trying to clean it off and I finally got into a place of learning to play it and I feel like other people see me playing my instrument learning to play my instrument and they're like where did you get that instrument from? And I'm like, bitch, I found this inside of me. You can find an <laughs> instrument inside of you. And they're like, word? And I'm like, yes. Is it an oboe? It's a bassoon. You're listening to Nerdette. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Tanwen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. This WBEZ podcast is supported by Hasia, whose Executive Fellows Program provides Black and Latinx business owners with real-world tools and strategies needed to master fundamental management concepts related to company stability and growth. Registrants learn through one-on-one -on -one executive coaching sessions with subject matter experts in the areas of finance, business development, operations, and legal. More info at HACIAWorks.org. You know, the other thing, even from like the most basic level when it comes to doing yoga is that I know it's time away from my phone, you oh know, my where I'm not like staring at a screen, like even just that hour or hour and a half or 15 minutes or whatever of just like intentional disconnection, I find really valuable. I don't want to bite the hand that feeds because obviously I've had great success with social media, but I really, really hate it at times because it is so opposite of what humans are supposed to be doing it's you're always thinking about something else you're always comparing yourself against something else so that your present moment isn't as good as the person who's like in australia practicing a handstand and eating a a side bowl is that what they're called the with the berries 
Y'all have that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm yeah. Yeah. So like someone who's just like, oh my God, my life is so perfect. And you're looking at this on your phone while you're in traffic and you're just like, my life isn't as good. And I feel like anything that we can do to get away from that behavior is awesome. And to me, yoga is like absolutely an opportunity to do that. But it's awesome because it unites us. We would never be talking without it. And it's awesome because I can communicate with people that I would never have met before and students that I would never. And it's really easy, especially when you are practicing by yourself, to feel really lonely and to feel like you're not um, connected to something bigger. And it's nice to be able to foster that feeling. But the comparisons that come from everything related to technology is just a sketch. Well, that leads me to want to talk about your Instagram account, which, you know, does super well. But it's so interesting when you think about Instagram, because usually it's sort of like you take the cute, weird angle. So your face looks just right. And then you filter out the bags under your eyes or whatever, as you know, the, as the as the really excellent Portlandia sketch says on social media, we're all just cropping out all the sadness yep. of our lives. You Literally. know, and your Instagram, I think, is so refreshing because you're super honest yeah. about your own body image issues. And I think people react to that so positively, which is also really exciting. It is exciting. And I think that it would probably be more exciting for me if it was ever my goal. But the only reason that I ever even started posting on Instagram is because I was practicing yoga at home by myself and I didn't feel like I was a part of anything bigger. And I also wanted to track my alignment. And so to me, when I look back at my Instagram, it's just a journal that I've successfully kept for the last few years. It's weird to me that other people can look back at that and be like, wow, this is so inspiring because I'm still just trying to figure myself out. And like, I'm not that emotionally connected to my social media. I'm glad that it's helpful to other people to see someone who's being really genuine. But I also feel like for me, it's just an exercise in being genuine. I wonder about the transition that you had between practicing and then deciding it was time to teach and take that on. Because mm. I have a cousin who like there's a lot of people in my family who like me are big. Mm-hmm. And my cousin is a fabulous dancer and she wanted to teach dance. But she was initially, I think, pretty nervous about whether anybody would hire her to teach little girls how to dance because of how her body type looked, because she didn't look like a dancer who could move. But man, like she can move and she can teach you to dance. But it was so hard for her to take that first step. How did you do it? I'm vigorously nodding my head because literally (laughs) like anyone who's fat bodied and teaches any kind of athletic class, it is so difficult to even have people take you seriously. And I feel like it's important to note that if I didn't have a popular Instagram, if I didn't have this platform, I would not be teaching as much as I'm teaching. It is almost impossible for people to get hired. And it's so fucked up. Even within the yoga community, you talk about this and it's just like, well, you know, you want to make sure that the students can practice safely and that they know that you can do. I mean, there's so Mm. much sizeism and (laughs) just body shaming that is totally normalized in the yoga world. But I had absolutely no interest in being a yoga teacher. That was not a goal for me. I had been practicing for quite some time. And by this point, I'd had a fair amount of press notoriety. And I had a lot of people reach out to me being like, oh, will you come teach me? You know, like in Switzerland and Nigeria and like, you know, all over the place. And I would be like recommending other yoga teachers. I would recommend other classes because I didn't understand why I needed to be a teacher. There are literally thousands of yoga teachers. So I was like, why do I need to do this? I get that I'm fat body and not everybody is, but what is the point? And eventually I was like, oh, maybe I'll do it. But I didn't have the money. It's very expensive to do these things. And I was in debt from a graduate degree that I still have not finished. Like I lesser known Jessamine fact, I went to culinary school. So I was in debt from culinary school. But my father 
is extremely against most things. He's like super traditional, like blue collar worker, does not have any interest in social media or like he does not take this seriously. And particularly when it was like, oh, you're practicing yoga and putting pictures of it on the Internet? Like, get out of here. That's not a thing. But one day I was at my parents' house and we were talking about all of this. And by this point, I think I'd been on like people.com or something. And he was like, so Jessamine, what's going on with this yoga thing? And I was like, well, you know. And then he was like, well, are you going to be a teacher? You know, where is this going? And I was like, I don't know, maybe. I just, I don't have the money to go teacher training. And then he was, I don't know why I'm giving myself that voice. But <laughs> I was like, I don't know, maybe. And he was like, well, how much does it cost? And I was like, it's $3,000. And he was like, well, you know, what if we could find a way for you to get that money? Would you go if we got you the money? And I was like, if this dude who has been so against everything, if he's saying that I need to do it, then this is obviously something bigger than me. And I made it like maybe a week and a half into the training before I started crying all the time, which is a thing that happens. And I'm not the crying type. That's not a thing. Like, I I even said from the beginning, like, I see everybody being really emotional, but that's not going to be me. Yeah, I mean, and I've I definitely cried in yoga. Yeah. Like, there's just, it, there comes that time with the hip openers or whatever, and you're just like, Bleh. Because we hold in so many things that we just don't even know how to let go of. And I found myself in this environment where it was okay to let go. And I realized that the reason I need to be a teacher, the reason that everyone should be a teacher, truly, is because we all have a unique set of experiences and we all have a unique set of damages that we're trying to work on. And as we honor that damage and as we allow it to just float up and to resolve it, we can reflect that experience to other people. And that when you reflect it to other people, they can then have that journey within themselves. And I've likened it to finding an instrument within myself. So it's like I found this instrument inside myself and it's covered in goop and crap. And I'm just like, there's an instrument in me. And so I'm digging it out and I've spent years just like trying to clean it off. And I finally got into a place of learning to play it. And I feel like other people see me playing my instrument, learning to play my instrument. And they're like, where did you get that instrument from? And I'm like, bitch, I found this inside of me. You can find an <laughs> instrument inside of you. And they're like, word? And I'm like, yes. And then they go inside of themselves and they find their instrument and they're digging it out and they're cleaning it off and then we start playing together and we're not playing the same song no one has to play the same song as me but you learn to play your song and that to me and this like weird extrapolated like pie piper type situation that to me is the reason to teach because if i can help somebody else find their instrument then that's why i'm gonna show up for it more with jessamine stanley including some really excellent homework in just a minute you're listening to Nerd X. Trisha, like, hi, are you are you being convinced by this? I am. Do you understand that it's not all Lululemon and weird lattes? I am now uh, much more a believer. I'm still skeptical that I can do the thing without like spraining my wrist, though. That's or, real. like, hurting myself. So I guess my question is really about sort of, you know, you talk about, like, everybody being able to do yoga. But I there's a phrase in my world that is sort of like, you can be skinny weak or skinny strong and you can be, like, fat weak or fat strong. But, like, to really do this, like, I got to be fat strong, right? Like, I got to, like, I have to be able to, like, hold my body in weird pretzely ways. That is very, or no. that is such an amazing like <laughs> way of describing all of that. I'm just I'm loving it. Um <laughs> no, I think it is not like that, but okay. I totally see why you think it's like that. But the reality is that we are all strong. We are all flexible all the time. There's like all the time. And that really when you first start, 
yeah, it's going to be really fucking hard. Like you're going to be, I mean, it's going to be very mentally trying, very emotionally trying. And that's the point because you've had decades to build up tough tissue in your body so that your bones are like really tight together. It makes sense that it would be very difficult in the beginning. But the more that you allow the breath to move inside of you, again, with the breathing, that it's just about that, when you allow it to move within you, it's really just lubricating your body so that you can get back to your natural flexibility points. And if you take it very slowly, there's a tendency to just want to like rush into everything. But if you say like, I'm just going to focus on child's pose, that's going to be my pose. And then once you focus on child's pose for a while, then you'll want to move forward and maybe add cat-cow pose. And then maybe after you've done that for a while, you'll be like, oh, I want to add some shoulder opening. I want to do some sun salutations. I want to gradually work up to, like, high plank pose. I want to do, you know, like you can. Maybe someday I'll do that scorpion thing. Exactly. (laughs) Because it doesn't. We live in a society (laughs) of immediate gratification. And it's like if you don't get it immediately, then there's no reason to even do it. But when you just focus on the journey and you just focus on breathing, every moment is worthwhile. And before you know it, you are in a scorpion handstand. But I think that when it's all about like if you're not doing this, then you're not doing it right. I mean, it's just, it's lame. Like Nobody wants, I mean, it's just, that's not what yoga is about at all. So how do I find a class that I can walk into that's not going to be the scorpion thing on the first day and that's not going to just be terrible? Even if it is the scorpion thing on the, the scorpion thing, even if it is a (laughs) scorpion on the first day, you don't have to do that. But I do think that, it would be impossible for me to say like, oh, yeah, just go to any studio and you're automatically going to feel comfortable. I have felt body shamed in way too many spaces to say that. And I think that the most important thing when you walk into a yoga studio is to just try not to be obsessing over what other people think of you. This is the hardest part. And I'm saying it like it's really easy, but it's once you cross this boundary, then it doesn't matter who else is in the room. It doesn't matter what they're doing because you are having your experience. And there are definitely times where the teacher will be making you feel inadequate. And the best thing to do is to practice at home with online classes. And I would specifically say online classes because I think that it's the most amazing studio because there's so many different kinds of teachers, lots of different class durations, lots of different focuses, so that it feels like being a part of the best yoga studio ever. But I think it's helpful to find a space that is always going to feel safe for you. And for most of us, that's going to be the home. And if you focus on building a home practice, you'll have that forever. So you've been teaching all over the place. You've got this book. You're kicking ass on Instagram. What's next in your global yoga takeover? Am I kicking ass on Instagram? I feel like I'm like the most... (laughs) I'm so not engaged with social media to be on it as much as I am. Like y'all would not even know. Um... (laughs) So next. okay, next. Um, My big thing is that yoga is way too expensive. And even with um, I mean, because when I first started practicing at home, the reason I started doing that is because I did not have the money to practice in studios. And when I first started teaching, I was literally like, I'm just going to start doing these classes in fields and like people can show up if they want. You can bring money if you got it. If you don't have money, you can still come. And those were the most amazing classes. They're pay what you can classes. People would pay me in strawberries and bagels. There's this one couple who would always bring this giant beach blanket and they would use it as their mat together. And I felt like that experience is the reason why I care about this practice. And so my next goal is to bring those classes all over the world and to start doing pay what you can all over the place. In addition to that, I have a podcast 
podcast that's going to be coming out in the fall that's called Don't Call Me a Fucking Yogi. And it's about, <laughs> we can go into the ins and outs of the title at another time. Will but, you please make t-shirts? Oh, yeah. Okay, oh, good. yeah. There's a whole... I need a t-shirt. Or like a hoodie or something. Because the whole thing about being a practitioner is that you're just rolling with the punches of your life. And that means there are a lot of people who think that yoga and politics that don't mix, that think that, you know, you have to just strive for this level of perfection that doesn't exist. And the podcast, the whole point is to just show that you're not alone if you have dark thoughts or if you hate somebody or if you like hate the president, you know, that you can still be a yoga practitioner with that. So for me right now, it's just about expanding what yoga is to other people. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try it. <laughs> I know you're going to try it. Oh the next God. time I talk to y'all, you're going to be like, oh, my God, Jasmine, I was just at Lululemon, and then I got the best <laughs> leggings, and I just feel like, oh, my God, I love coconut water. That's going to be you. I'm sure. Okay. I've <laughs> tried coconut water. I don't like it. I'm pretty sure. I'm so sorry. It's I'm so pretty funny. sure I'm not going to Lululemon, but I'm going to try some yoga. But, like, we could totally yes. stop by Target on our way to your house after I this. I got and some leggings. I didn't buy them at Lululemon. I figured we'd get you a mat. You probably need a mat. All right. <laughs> you know what's funny about <laughs> leggings? So today I did this... I did this thing and they had pictures of me from the beginning of my practice and the leggings that I was wearing had these giant holes in the thighs and because like I used to always I mean I didn't have any money to buy all this crap so like I was like I got my leggings with holes and when I was looking at them I was just like wow I still feel like those leggings were fine like I didn't really need to get like the extra stuff is dope mats are awesome especially really good mats but all you need is yourself All right, should we do homework? Yeah, that'll do it, man. I would say that my homework involving yoga would be to sit quietly in a place where you have fewer distractions, maybe not around your kids or your partner or your, like, laundry machine, laundry machine, because that's a thing, (laughs) not near your washing machine or anything that's going to distract you. You just sit quietly with your eyes closed and allow the chaos of your mind to happen because so much of our lives are spent trying to pretend as though we're all we're okay and then when we close our eyes and we have the chaos we're like what's going on so if you can just sit with that chaos and let yourself be obsessed with stuff let yourself gnaw and pick at the little details because it might be five minutes it might be 10 minutes it might be 15 but you can't obsess over it forever and eventually you will stop and that feeling is really the whole purpose of this practice and if you can just do that I don't even care if you ever actually go to a yoga class or if you start a home practice. But if you make space to let go of the things that you cannot let go of, that's the best gift that you can give, not just to yourself, but to every other being that's in your life. Non-yoga homework. (laughs) Look in the mirror and really observe yourself. You can take a picture if you want, but really look at yourself. Look at the things that you've been taught to hate. Look at the things that maybe you do hate. And find a way to just accept them. You don't have to love them. You don't even have to like them. But just try to accept them. Because as you can accept who you are, how you are presented to in this world, you can accept so many other things. And you'll see that you really are beautiful. You really are powerful. You really are strong. You really will eventually be flexible. But we spend so much of our lives 
trying to ignore the way that we look and ignore our bodies and make excuses for them and apologize for them. If you can just take a couple of minutes to do the opposite of that and to just look without judgment at yourself, you will give such a gift to your spirit. Jessamine Stanley, thank you so much for coming on Nerdette. This was magical. Thank you guys for having me because you two are magical too. The show is produced by us, Trisha Bovita and Greta Johnson, along with birthday girl Candace Mattel. What? Our executive producer is Joel Meyer, and our intern is Brady Guy. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, follow us on NPR One, or you can listen in the WBEZ app. It's also super helpful in spreading the good word about Nerdette if you give us stars on Apple Podcasts, like ETC1073 did. Thank you for the excellent review. Guess what else ETC1073 did? What? They listened to 20 episodes of Nerdette in one day. Isn't that terrifying? So at roughly a half hour, that's 10 hours of Nerdette in a day. That's like so much Trisha and Greta in your ears. Wow. (laughs) And if you're still listening, ETC 1073, after that, wow, thanks. I feel like this person deserves a I not listen to us for that long. (laughs) You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We are at Nerdette Podcast, wherever you're interneting. And our theme music is by Poddington Bear. Do your homework. Do your homework. Seriously, guys, for like this week, just do it. Yeah, this homework's good. For each person who tweets at me saying that you really did your homework from Jessamine, I will do one additional yoga pose. What? That's mm-hmm. pretty exciting. Yeah. And how, how, how do they tweet at you? At Nerdette Podcast. Okay, cool. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer Podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast crew, and author Viet Tanwen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.